Folks, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Budget with State Representative Jason Ortitai, and he is here today with State Representative Seth Grove. Now, both of these folks are members of the Appropriations Committee, doing wonderful things right now, doing the people's business, making sure that the government is not overspending. And uh, right now is going on is, is budget hearings, listening to a lot of people requesting a lot of money that they may not really know what they're requesting. What is going on up there? Well, it's a wonderful time of year. We're in, what, week two now, Seth? Yep, week week two. two. We just finished up day six of 10 of budget hearings. And I would have to say after the first week, we learned a little bit. And after this week, we pretty much didn't get a whole lot of information after having, what, 10 different departments and agencies here. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it that way... It's tough because we get a lot of responses of, I don't know, I'll get back to you. And when you, and I said this last week, when we come to budget hearings, bring your financial information, and they still haven't brought their financial information. What is going on? My question is, is a lot of these folks seem to be coming in here without an agenda, without, without the information, if, if you want to say that. But how much of this is uh, these folks have requested, these departments have requested all this extra funding, and how much of this is the governor wants to spend more money, and these folks are coming in to having defend, having to defend his decisions? Is what where are we land landing on this? I will say it's kind of fun to watch. Uh, you can tell which secretaries are comfortable with it and which ones are not. I mean, I won't name names here, but uh, after you go through and listen to hear when when you ask them the questions and you hear their responses and then they pivot to another thing to make sure that they got their talking point out there so they could say that they hey I had victory today I talked about restore PA and how we're going to borrow four and a half billion dollars to pay for everything under the sun and then give it to you for free uh, that's always fun and then you know today we had Department of Ag. Uh, and talking about the $200 million out of the horse racing fund, and then the cuts to the hardwoods, which is one of our biggest industries. Uh, it, it's just it's just fun to, to listen to the cat and mouse game that goes on back yeah. and forth. So. And I, I, that's an unfortunate part, I think, about these budget hearings. They've relegated to a cat and mouse game. Uh, a lot of other states, agency heads will come in and formally present their budget. They sit there, go through what's actually in their budget, they present... Um, line items of funding, um, the 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 increases they're seeing are due to X, Y, and Z. You know, from from their 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 employee costs. You know, could be contractual increases, healthcare increases, pension increases. They have a discussion, and it's more informing than what we do here in Pennsylvania, where the secretary literally just sits there and we just grill them on questions. Like Jason and I shouldn't have to sit there and ask them, you know, what is the increase in X line for. They should have already explained that, and we should be diving down deeper and asking them, well, what are you doing to mitigate that? You know, what policy is driving that cost that we can take care of in the budget to mitigate those cost increases? Uh, or, and, and no offense to the secretaries, there is a lot of stuff in that budget that they're not aware of. They submit their budgets to the um, budget secretary in October. Budget secretary looks at it. Uh, the front office, Governor Wolf's office, uh, will add stuff uh, when it's formally announced. Um, and that's the hard part, too, yeah. is because the, some of these agencies and departments are just so big, it's impossible mm-hmm. for the secretary to know everything that's going on. Like, for example, you know, I think Secretary Dunn, you know, I'll give her credit. She did a good job. We asked, you know, you're asking for two and a half million dollars more in funding. And what's that for? And I believe she said to hire another 20 to 25 additional park rangers, uh, which I had followed up because a few years ago, Seth, and I, I know you were here when this happened. 
they were we actually found out that they were taking trips to Georgia to recruit people to fill park ranger positions in Pennsylvania and they said that they aren't doing that anymore because they're trying to I, I, they're, they have found a way to work with local communities to help find these people, but they're still not working with our PASHI schools. They're not working with our colleges. They're not trying to work joint curriculum to find these people and to help groom them come into this. Not going homegrown is what you're saying here. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's a problem. You know, we have all these open government jobs, and that's why all these GGO lines continue to go up every year because we're hiring more people. But what they aren't telling you is, is you know, last week we had the labor secretary, a half a billion dollars in, in workforce development money. But where is it going? We're not even using it to fill our government jobs that we need, let alone industry jobs that exist out there. Like, it it is embarrassing. Yeah, and to the point where the labor secretary didn't know what the programs were. We went through, like, program by program. He's like, I don't even know what that program is. And you would think that these folks would be coming in saying, here's a problem in my department that we see that we need to fix. Correct. We need this kind of money to fix it. Mm -hmm. And instead, they're coming in and saying, you're saying, you've been... Your department has requested X number of more dollars. Why? And and and, and there's nothing nothing coming yeah. that is meaningful. So so th- this is the bad part. So uh, agency secretary they spend weeks prepping and briefing for budget questions, but it's really not budget questions. It's more the policy that's driving behind it, the the big initiative. So ag today was spent majority of it was talking about the Horseman's Fund and... And the other funds that we hand out to the, the, the legislative ad backs. Yeah, legislative ad backs. It wasn't really into his, his budget, like, what are the expense driving your budgets? And, and everybody knows why those lines were eliminated, because they're, quote, legislative lines. Every governor, Republican or Democrat, eliminates them to bring us to the table that we have to, quote, buy it back at the budget table. It's just a known thing. You know, us talking about it every single year the exact same way, I don't think adds value to it. It's annoying. It, it annoys the ag community because it's, quote, their funding, and it's our number one industry in Pennsylvania. But it doesn't add any value to the general discussion of how we're going to balance a budget that's completely fake. No, I mean, and that, that that's the point. It's a complete waste of time because the, what the governor put out there is completely unrealistic and not even close to what a final product's going to look like. So he comes out and he proposes a budget that has, what, $2 billion more in spending year over year, plus the $4.5 billion in borrowing. Oh, plus another billion that he wants to borrow. Yep for another effort. You know, when you look at all this spending, and then you look at all, all the other stuff that the legislature, you know, I'll just admit it, they're, they're going to want to put back in for their own districts. Plus some. You know, you're probably looking at another half a, half a billion to a billion dollars, and you just don't have a real budget yeah. here. And he knows that. Yeah. He knows that when he puts this out every single year, and, and it and, does. And he knows it because it's the departments that he's choosing to cut are ones that are never going to get cut. When you're cutting, you're cutting ag, like you're when cutting we had, education, Yeah, Department like of this. Health earlier this week, you know, he cut all the, all the disease lines, like sickle cell and cancer research, like yeah. all those lines that end up going back in, it's like, go ahead and defend that out there to the public, that you're going to cut cancer research centers uh, and, and burn centers and Lyme's disease. Like, good luck selling that to yeah, the public. And he knows he's never going to have to because you're going to solve that problem for him. Exactly. But he, it's a problem that the governor created that we have to step in and fix that he will say, you've got to buy it back. Come to the table, buy it back, and then you'll, I'll give you this, and then you have to give me that. And it, it is. It's that cat and mouse game where you go back and forth with the administration. And again, it's a waste of time. Just be honest and transparent and open about it. You know, unlike the supplemental appropriations that we seem to get stuck with every single year because he can't seem to manage the budget. 
I have to ask this question because your job, and especially your job is this, but especially as conservatives, as Republicans, you're looking to try to make sure that the budget is the most efficient package we can produce every year. With this system, it sounds like there is absolutely no way for you to dig down into the departments and find out where things actually could be cut, where things might be a little bloated and, and need some trimming. It, it, it's like it's hard to find that so in this situation. We we find it. Jason and I find it because we use open source data sources to find it. Uh, Treasury's transparency portal. The, the budget office has a, a website where they have appropriations data on it. We go and find it, it, it and it's not it's not easy. No. Like we we don't have access to the accounting system. Like we literally, as as people who vote and approve a budget, we we can't we can't just sit at our computers and look how they're spending money, where they're spending money. We have to go to open data sources, just like everybody else, and try to piece all this stuff together. So we look at the budget book. We have our because we're on probes. We have the agency documents. We have some additional information we'll get from from briefings as appropriations, and then we'll try to supplement that with some open document sources and try to get meetings with agency heads or individuals in the system to try to find out where there is waste and bloat within the system. And it's it's near impossible, and you just end up spinning, spinning, spinning. Uh, and even worse is when you bring it to your colleagues' attention, uh, a lot of it falls on deaf ears and isn't actually implemented. And it, there, there are easy ways to find it. Well, and that's the thing. It's just the tip of the iceberg of what we find. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's only two people who have access to SAP in our caucus. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm not harping on that, but we should have access to that so we can see the expenditures and the contracts. You know, we learned what last week that a contract was basically instead of a four-year contract or a five-year contract, mm-hmm. it's a 10-year contract worth almost $100 million. It should have been half that. You know, had we known that, that might have given us an opportunity to inject ourselves mm-hmm. and maybe save some money somewhere. But to find savings during budget hearings is almost impossible because the secretaries are never going to give you information and the questions that we ask are, or the time limits that we have, we're just never going to find that out in a five minute back and forth it's just not realistic it seems like typical government why do anything you know for one price if you can do twice as much for twice as much mm-hmm. money yeah i mean I, I have more success going it alone and you know coordinating with jason and a couple others to dive into some of this stuff I mean, it's the only way to do it and it's it's not it's not during this this three weeks that happens year round when we're not discussing the budget because you know when we done we're done these budget hearings we're not going to talk about budget at all Right. At all until June. Yeah. And so, then it'll start popping up. And then, oh, by the way, with the governor, how the governor has, he has some fake revenues. So he's projecting actual revenues from a minimum wage. Uh, he's projecting revenues from a fee or for state police. We're not doing those. Right. So that money's got to be accounted for in some other way, in some Correct. other place. Well, it's funny you say that because there is money still available in prior year's budgets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Seth and I have both been asking about lapsed funds, Act 146 waivers, uh, you know, funds that have been returned. And, you know, I just I did a precursor for education that's coming up next week. There's almost six hundred million dollars in lapsed funds or Act 146 waivers sitting there, yet they're complaining that they don't have enough money to run a $7 million program. And we're not talking about funds that are just being budgeted for future projects. This is funds that just haven't been used and are just sitting there, could be tapped. These are funds that were allocated in prior year's budgets that the governor's budget office selectively waived so they could use it for the same purpose. And we have this going, at least in education, it goes all the way back to 2014, almost eight years, six years 
six years now and they haven't used that money. The whole point of having an efficient budget process is making sure that when we allocate money for you, that you're spending it. And if you're not spending it, what's the reason? Maybe it's not important. Now, there are some cases where we have to hold money in reserve so we can get a federal match. That's fine. I understand that. But they're not telling us this. I have to go through the book and by hand, I think I went through 75 different accounts and write down the lapses and the waivers and everything. I have it in a nice big spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took about an hour to put together, but I know that I'm probably the only one who did that. And, and, and everyone should be doing this. Uh, well, and hearing this, it seems like there's not a whole lot of hope for what you're going to gain out of the rest of these hearings, or at least what you've gained so far. Well, I think it's just finding the the, the fake things that are in this budget the things that are just purely govern the the governor's asks, uh, and you know, from my perspective, what I'm trying to do with my lines of questioning is figure out what can I find out from asking this question that's going to help me make a better decision on funding this particular line item or this department or agency. Because at the end of the day, this might be the only opportunity that I get with a face to face of the secretaries before we get to the end of June, mm-hmm. and before then, we've got to have our priorities lined up, and we need to do that. We need to put put out a budget mm-hmm. or at least start a negotiation because what the governor put put out there you know is rainbows and unicorns you know it's just way out there and you're trying to essentially get the information build it all up yourself and then it's a little bit on you guys to build a coalition of people behind you to support it right correct well correct. and that's what happens with a lot of these budget hearings it basically just becomes political theater oh this side's going to make this point and then the other side's going to come back and you know try to disprove what they just said and, and, and that's what these budget hearings really uh, amount to at the end of the day because w- when we try to get real information they don't have it and you sit there and you just think well you know when we're talking about financial information at a budget hearing like everyone should have a budget book or something in front of them or they have they, uh, most of these secretaries bring their staffs with them and it's not just one or two people it's a whole entourage of people and they don't have the information either which just that to me just blows my mind well and and you keep hearing this phrase we'll get back to you on that we'll have to submit yeah. submit that for the record do those things ever come in do you ever get that information not really and it, it's it's the information you do get is is fluff um i've even tried during hearings to say is there anybody in this room that has the information that can just answer it secretary do you have anybody here is your deputy secretary that understands that can we swear them in right now and and sometimes the chair will allow it sometimes they just oh we don't have time for that right now like but what when is that appropriate time like, when are we going to have that appropriate time to have the real conversation about the real costs? And I'll just add one thing from the PennDOT hearing, which I just thought was just miraculous. This was the first year, and no offense to the prior secretary, I thought she did a great job, but it has never been talked about since I've been in office for, well, in my sixth year now, the spike, the spike funds for transportation. Mm-hmm. You would think that someone would know about $4.5 billion worth of road and bridge projects that are occurring from now until 2031. And I will tell you, I had to go out on my own and find this information, this project list, because nobody knew, like, none of the secretaries could get me the information, and it's never talked about. You know, $4.5 billion over the next 13 years, I think that's kind of important. You know, you know call me silly. Yeah. But four and a half billion dollars is not something you hide. Yes, yeah, and we're, we we find more and more as as we go through. Um, you know, and, and some of it's 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 an unfortunately from uh, news organizations doing some background research, and that's how we find out about it. I just saw a, a newspaper article a few weeks ago doing research on on legislation I'm working on that Cheney University had two whistleblowers come forward that. They were using two scholarship programs, and this is this is about September time frame. So, 
we, we approved the budget June, this is September, the year after. Those line items, we gave an increase to Cheney for scholarships for Cheney University. Whistleblower comes forward in September and says, Cheney has misappropriated those dollars. They're using them for general governmental. They were doing PR and marketing um, with those dollars. It wasn't going to scholarships for kids. Oh, by the way, um, they lost 3,000 applications. So they illegally used scholarship dollars to market kids to go there. They got 3,000 applications they lost. So they, they ended up having a net loss of students, essentially, Correct. in a program that was meant to educate more people. Correct. And those are the frustrations. We don't see that. And had we not had a whistleblower, we wouldn't know there's misappropriation. So in a $36 billion, a proposed $36 billion budget, by the way, state funds, all in all, we're closing in on a $70 billion, quote, general fund with, with augmentations and federal, federal dollars money, yeah. and all that stuff. Where is this money actually going? Those are the things we need to dive into. We need to start looking at the contracts. We need to look at the track record of the providers getting the, the contracts. And we need to start asking harder questions of what, what did we get out of that? So if, if we start looking at the performance side of it, we're going to have a better idea of where your tax money is going and start curbing back that waste, fraud, and abuse. And that's the thing. You get into the deeper dive. Like Again, education is next week, and I, I took a real deep dive into looking at that you know, you know, we're spending $50 million a year in assessment testing. Mm-hmm. And that's just to pay the company to design the test and grade it. $50 million a year. Yeah, there's no education really in that. That's just running a Scantron machine and but, such. Yeah, and it's a company based out of Texas. You know, you know, bravo to them. $50 million a year is a lot. But I didn't know about that until I asked the department about the contract they had with them. Cause, and then you go through, there's a couple other line items that are basically handouts. And I'll bring this up next week because I'm going to ask the secretary about it, and I'm curious what his answers are about job training and education. And there's a couple grants that go out of that fund that are not job training and education. There's a few that are nonprofits. There's a few that go to a couple different industries that really, they don't do any job training. They're to build projects, and basically they're whams and districts. That's what they the, are. The uh, second lady got a grant out of that. Uh, it was about $70,000. 50000 was salary for her. It was right after the election, right after... Uh, her husband, John Fetterman, was elected that November. She got a $70,000 grant for her company to do, uh, I think, outreach and speaking to empower women in business or something Yeah, like and these, these are just a few things that we find outside of the budget. These are not mm-hmm. things that we're going to find in a hearing. So you know, when we talk about beyond the budget, you know, th- there are a group of us who go out there and look for this type of information. And if we get the opportunity, we, we do ask the secretaries. I mean, and look, it's not our intent to embarrass anyone or publicly call anyone out. But at the end of the day, th- this is taxpayer dollars, and we want to make sure it's being spent properly and wisely and efficiently and you know at the end of the day when you see what the governor's putting out there and his tax borrow spend and and you know and basically borrow your children's future by borrowing all this money it's hard to sit back and watch and still you know come up with a way to approach the secretary be like how how like how do you do this this is this is absurd yeah so representatives uh we got another week of these hearings coming up what are we looking forward to in the next week? Who are you looking to hear from? I, I mean, education clearly being one of them. What else are you clear, uh, are you looking to hear? Yeah, education is a big one. I think we have the Pashi, we have the Chancellor of Pashi in. Uh, we'll also have FIA in as well. And the big one, Human Services Department of Human Services, yeah, he, makes up a 
majority of our budget. That that is a big, and that's the thing with this past week. A lot of this, uh, a lot of these departments and agencies, their spending is offline. It's not so much out of the general fund, uh, but also at the end of the week, we I believe we finish up with a budget secretary. Uh, you know, she doesn't have an easy job, but she's in charge of making sure the budget stays in line and is spent appropriately. And you know, we've had issues the last couple of years, so there's going to be a lot of questions about that. But I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we get some good information, and if not, then we'll close up the budget week and. You know, we'll start putting together our budget, and we'll see where we go. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I hope I can get one or both of you back in here next week. Tell us a little bit about what you learn in the, in the final week of budget hearings and kind of point us in the direction of where we'll be heading in June. Gentlemen, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you another time on Beyond the Budget.